0: I know you want to become confident and empowered and you deserve to step into that life you are yearning for. I'm Carrie V, and I get it. There is more greatness to come in your life and I know you can feel it. I've made a choice to live my big life now it is your turn to be empowered and step into the life that has always been yours. It's time for you to step off the sidelines and into your own life, the one you were created to live. It's easier than you think. I believe in you. In fact, I am your biggest fan. So let's get started. There are so many possible benefits of CBD, relieving arthritis pain, chronic pain, reducing inflammation, reducing muscle spasms, relieving anxiety, depression, and insomnia, helping to treat skin issues. But is CBD for you? And if it is, where do I get it? Well, where you shouldn't get it is a gas station or a grocery store. Because you don't know what you are getting. And before you ingest something, you need to be very certain that it is a high quality product. This was so important to me that I went searching for a company I could partner with to create my own CBD line. So that when I was putting CBD in my body and suggesting CBD to my clients, they were getting a high quality CBD oil product. And I'm happy to announce that CBD with Carrie V is now available. The link is in the show notes. Use the code Carrie V for 10% off your purchases. Enjoy this product. Look into it. And if it's for you, enjoy CBD with Carrie V. Welcome back to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V. And happy new year. Happy 2021. You are listening to our first official episode in the year 2021, and you have the honor of meeting Mr. Michael Robeson today. Have you ever felt like you were living someone else's life? Have you ever felt like you're walking a path that somebody else said you should walk? Michael knows that feeling. He is a man who longed for a life where he could live as himself and not the character that won the approval of others. Have you ever felt like that? I sure have. It took a leap of faith at Michael's life, a willingness to face his fears and the decision that he was willing to lose everything in order to find true peace. Michael's journey meant a divorce, a reset of family structures, a complete change in his public identity, a change in his career and the willingness to let his ego die and to embrace the practice of simply being, being himself, being authentic, being honest and being vulnerable. Today, he's living at peace with joy and full of hope with an amazing man by his side. Michael longs to come alongside you in your journey and help you discover the power of alignment, the power of peace, and the practice of simply being. If you are looking for a coach in your journey, a caring support in your growth, and someone who can help you see beyond the view of today, Michael is ready to help you create the future you were meant to live. As always, have your pen, have your notebook, and be ready to learn. Michael, take it away. Michael, welcome to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V.
1: I love it. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. It's been, I feel like we scheduled this like forever ago, (laughs) and it seemed like it was so far out. And here we are. Um, Somebody reminded me, how many days before Christmas? 21 days? I know,
1: like 21 shopping days. That was like when I got in the car this morning and left the house the radio, they're like, oh, there's only 21 shopping days left. I was like, oh oh, yeah, (laughs) I I might need to think about that. I've got a few kids to buy for and things. And yeah, it's crazy. And even, you know, yeah, when we scheduled this, I think it was, it was like two months ago. And it's it's funny to me when you think you schedule same things so far in advance and even given the year that we've had, right. And so many things going on, I think for some people there's times we feel like the year has crawled by because there's just been so much in this year. Yeah. And yet at the same time, because there's so much going on and so many different things and so we've all experienced some form of hell and some form of joy and some form yes. of whatever throughout the year. But it's funny to me, cause when, it, when it popped up, the reminder, you know, for, for us to be recording, it was like, Oh yeah. Like that happened fast. Like that's yeah. actually how I felt. I was like, this is great. I know.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so now that we're finally here, and you're drinking yes. your amazing Nespresso, yes. and thank you, cheers! I was I had one. I've got <laughs> mineral water. I brought my water <laughs> to coffee it. and tea with Carrie. There B. you go. <laughs> we want to know who you are. Could be, yeah. I know who you are, but let's bring everybody in because your story is amazing. I love seeing all the pictures of your amazing family, and take it away.
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I am. I couldn't be more proud of my family to say the least. Um, you know, and I definitely have the epitome of a modern family to say the (laughs) least. Um, you know, to give you background, I mean, I grew up in the, I'm as Southern as they get. Um, I grew up in the South and so, and, and probably some of your listeners will hear the Southern draw. Some people don't like if you're from the South, I get asked all the time, like, where are you really from? Because I worked really hard, um, during college with the speech therapist to get rid of my, I had like the epitome of, you know, southern country really? draw, and so uh, I've worked really hard to kind of neutralize that to some extent because I've spent so much of my life speaking and communicating. Yes. Um, but I grew up in the south; I'm a preacher's kid. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it gets much more Southern than being a multi-generational preacher's kid growing up in the South. And, uh, I had an amazing family growing up. So I have a great relationship. As a matter of fact, my, my grandparents, my parents, everybody lives within four or five blocks of my house right now. So, um, and I'm, I'm thankful for that because most of my adult life I lived somewhere else. So it's really a, a beautiful thing to be back with all of my family around me. Um, but I grew up, uh, you know, in a very traditional conservative world. And, uh, I married my best friend in high school. Um, she and I got married. We started dating. We were 15 years old. Wow. So we, she and I grew up together to say the least. Um, yeah. and so after, after about five years, we thought, what the heck, let's do this. We're going to get married. And, uh, we did. And so, you know, over the years she and I were together a total of 23 years and, over that 23 years, we built an amazing family, yeah. you know, with our kids. So we have three biological kids. Yeah. We have two internationally adopted kids, and then we have two foster to adopt kids. So there's seven total Wow. for those who are doing math right now. <laughs> yeah, um, they were
0: like, what?
1: Right. What? <laughs> yeah." yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I, you know, often, even today, I was at a client's house, and uh, we were talking, and she was apologizing for the mess in the house. She I've got three young kids. I was like, listen, I got twice as many kids. I get it. Like it's a chaos yeah. zone and it is what it is. So, yes. um, but you know, my kids, they all came into our, I mean, obviously my biological kids were around day one. Um, yeah. but the other four have come into our lives at different stages and different parts of their journey and their lives. And, uh, my oldest daughter is actually only 10 years older or younger than me. So we adopted her as a teenager. And I don't know why anybody allowed us <laughs> to do that. Oh, um, uh, wow. but I actually have a, a 31 year old daughter who has, children of her own. And, uh, wow. and then my youngest kid is only six years old. So the spread is wide. Yes. Um, it's very diverse. You know, we've got, uh, I've got black kids. I've got my oldest daughter's Hispanic. My, my second daughter is biracial. And then of course I say I'm raising all minority because my, my biological kids are ginger kids. They're fair skin, red hair, freckles, <laughs> and blue eyes. So, um, <laughs> so I'm raising seven minority kids is what I say all the time. Yeah. But, you know, after twenty three years together, my wife and I uh, really came to grips with what what the honest truth was. And even though you know she and I maintained a great relationship, a good friendship, um she just lives a couple miles down the road. we yeah. We divorced a few years ago because I went through the process of coming out. Yeah. and uh, you know given my upbringing and where where I grew up and and the kind of family I grew up in, that just was not an option for me yeah. early on. And so, you know, and part of my, my role, my story, my purpose, what I do in life is helping people get aligned with their genuine self. And yeah, the reason that matters so much is that was a life that's been a lifelong journey for me. Sure. Um, it took me, you know, 30, almost 36 years, uh, or 37 years actually to really get to a place where I could do that for myself. Yeah. And so, so we did that and it wasn't without its pain. It wasn't without lots of tears and, and, Grit and you know back and forth and and really agonizing because I'm not a fan of divorce. I'm not a fan of broken families. I'm not a fan of broken hearts. You know, I genuinely was married to my best friend, and so I realized like she would have never written this story. This was not her narrative. Right. Um, And yet we both came to a a good place together. That this was the right and and healthy thing and and honoring thing for one another. And so we went through that. And then a couple years ago. Um, I met my husband and, you know, and one of those yeah. things I actually, honestly, I was in a season of life at that point where I thought I'm just going to be content to just, you know, focus on me and do this yep. thing. And I'm going to be a dad and we'll co-parent and we'll do all these things. And then I was speaking at a leadership event in California and got introduced to my husband and we just hit it on the first day we met that. I remember yeah. that night we started texting. It was seven hours. We text.
0: Oh my. Until- yeah.
1: And I even knew then I was like, I'm in trouble now because I like we're connecting too well. Um, <laughs> you know, so we got to know each other for a few days and then we spent a few months just talking back and forth. And then voila, what do you know? Here we are a few years later. He and I are married. Yeah. Um, my kids think he's the. They, I think they like him better than me. All of them, <laughs> <laughs> But um, you know, he's just integrated really well. And, yeah. you know, he and my my ex-wife get along very well. Um, oh. you know, and I, I, I never try to idealize things again. Everything's come with tension. Everything's come with stress. Everything's come with sure. grit and there've been beautiful moments and there've been some really ugly moments along the way too. Yeah. Um, but all of us are in this place where we want to, you know, us as the adults, the three of us in, in that equation, um, really want to demonstrate for our kids, what real love and honor and respect and grace looks like for our kids. That is um, beautiful. We believe that together. We're a team. Um, uh, and I love even yesterday, my youngest son has has a weight issue he's he and again there 's a propensity in my family in both sides of my family and my my ex wife 's family for being overweight and yeah. and struggling with that as a whole and my other kids haven 't really dealt with that, but he has but what the example the the reason I bring that up the example is yeah. yesterday is that my ex was you know, really kind of mulling that over and thinking through a plan. And I love that when she initiates a text about parenting and things, it's all, all of us, you know, it's uh, not just her to me, but it's yeah. us as a team. Um, and so I'm, I am, I'm super proud of my family because, you know, we, we break a lot of molds and even though we're not as unusual today as we would have been 20 years ago or 30 years ago, you know, we, we tick a lot of boxes and, you know, m- myself being out and and being a gay man who's who's happily married and proud to be out and married and yeah. have a great relationship with my ex-wife. And, you know, so I've, I've lived two yes. very distinctly different types of lives yeah. as a whole. Um, I have multiracial family, multiracial kids, you know, the whole nine. Yes. And so for me, there's just this incredible beauty in the process of creating a family that while the rest of the world probably looks at it and says, this doesn't make any sense. Um, What makes sense to me and where I spent, like I say, where I spend most of my time, my effort, my energy is helping people realize we aren't called or created or made to live by somebody else's script and somebody else's expectation. Um, We have to have the courage and the boldness and the willingness to be ourselves, to be truly aligned inside and outside. And we find true joy. And that's been so much my journey. And I, I'm now, you know, again, life is life. You know, yeah. I never try to idealize, you know, it's easy to talk about all the beautiful and good things. Yeah. Everything comes with struggle and, and, and life is never free of it. But where, where I am free is when I figured that out for myself and what I spend time helping others do is figure that out for themselves because I want them to have what I have, which is the lights go out and I lay down at night and I close my eyes to go to bed. Nothing keeps me up at night worrying about oh. my life, my fulfillment, my happiness, my contentment, you know, all yes. of those things, because the inside and the outside match. And I love that.
0: Oh, that's, see, I'm taking notes. <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> the, <love> in, it.
0: <laughs> the inside and the outside match. So mm-hmm. you get to sleep. I just, that's
1: beautiful yeah you it know, and beautiful. I think about this a lot, regardless of somebody 's journey you know they may not obviously there 's not as many people in the world, although there 's a lot who have walked a similar path or are walking a similar path to myself, who you know whether it 's a sexuality thing, whether it is just maybe it 's career, yeah. you know maybe it is the relationship they ended up in or or whatever it is um, where yeah. you realize that the the day to day life the the public facing persona that everyone else experiences oftentimes has been dictated and expected from other people and because our natural tendency as human beings is to want to be loved liked and accepted we tend to conform to those things yes because we assume that if we don't conform we're going to be pushed out or rejected yeah so we build these external lives and then we have this tension that often occurs of like hey this in my this thing about my life or this thing about me or what people see isn't me and I'm not happy but but then there's a fear that comes out of that if anybody ever finds out or if anybody ever knows or if anybody ever you know puts two and two together and figures out that I don't, I'm not this idealistic whatever they think I am yeah they they panic you know and I've got a good friend of mine over the years he's uh he's now a, an ER doctor but growing up his his push because he came out of a family of mechanical and electrical engineers who were very successful, had great careers, very well known, like they own patents and all these different things that have shaped technologies that you and I use every day. So he was kind of in that place where that was the expectation. So he went to school, he graduated, became a mechanical engineer, worked in mechanical engineering, rose through the ranks and got there. But his inner desire was to be a doctor and it's crazy cuz you think like it's you know we think all the time like oh you want your kids to grow up and be lawyers or doctors or you know something of the sort yeah and so but his family didn't look well on being a doctor at 38 years old he left being an engineer and went back to medical school and wow. became a doctor and works in the ER as a doctor now and it's it's beautiful because it was a hard change a hard shift a hard climb for him um, yeah. and i and i i got to know steve long before my story had come full circle and I think yeah. watching him and walking some life alongside of him, I was inspired that, that you can have the courage and do the hard work to align the inside and the outside.
0: Yes. what an, That's such a great point because what he did pivoting at in his late thirties, Yeah, you pivoted in your late thirties. When you shine your light, when you walk in your power, you give so many people the power to do the same. That's right. And you may not even know the lives that you are impacting and touching, yeah. because you said, I- I'm, "I'm doing what I was created to do."
1: That's right.
0: This is the way. I, this is the way I am, and this is who I am, and I'm going to walk in it.
1: That's right. And Absolutely. then somebody is
0: watching, going, "Hmm, I can do that too."
1: Right. Yeah. 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 And I think there's, there's an interesting thing that I think we all, we all struggle with it at some point. And I I think regardless of the type of relationships we had with our parents, because, you know, someone like myself, I was lucky enough to grow up with an amazing family and I love my, you know, I I had the typical tensions you have with family, you know, um, But there's so many things that we when we especially when we do have good relationships with our parents and we want that approval and we want the affirmation because they are our core anchor of stability and identity and all those things. And when something inside of us that is a, a value, a core movement, a passion, a purpose, a calling, you know, whatever label you want to put on it, that driving thing inside you, when that is a deviation from that script that we got handed from our parents it is the hardest place for us to come to alignment because the last people we want to let down is family,
0: yes. our
1: parents. And, you know, again, I say this not just because of my journey. I watched this with so many people, those folks who picked the career because that's what their parents asked them to, or they chose a partner in life because that's what they were told to or expected to do. And, yeah. you know, again, and I, I, I want to be really careful on the fine line. there, like, I'm not an advocate for just up and leave the person you may be committed in marriage to or whatever. Yes. But at the same time, we have to really stop and ask ourselves are those healthy things because in in my, the first half of my life was not negative at all. In fact, it was extremely positive. I had a very good marriage. I didn't have a bad marriage. I didn't have a poor marriage. Um, you know, some things got hard towards the end of that because we were dealing with the tensions, but, um, I didn't have a bad life. And the truth is, I could have continued to conform to that script. And from from the outside looking in, my life would have been great. It would have been just fine. It would have looked, I was very successful. I had a family. I made money. I was self-sufficient. You know, Um, everybody was was happy-go-lucky. Yet, because the inside and the outside weren't aligned, what was happening, it was like getting a slow-growing cancer deep Mm. in your soul is that each day it's chipping away because all of your energy goes into performing and and conforming to that yeah. script that has been written and eventually that life that light that you talked about a minute ago begins to slowly dim till it gets yeah. extinguished and for some people sadly enough it really does lead to highly negative outcomes you yeah. know this is why we have rates of suicide and depression yes. and anxiety and you know all sorts of mental disorders that I think they come out of the place where we have, we, have, we as a, a, a group of people, no matter what that group is, we conform to the most comfortable circle around us. Yes. Like that could be religion, culture, demographics, race, you know, yeah. all those different things. And we stop accepting it, anything that looks different or feels different. And we cause people to never have the courage or the safety or, or just the, the hand-holding support that it takes to just step into their truth and their reality.
0: Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. See, look, I have to take more notes. Oh. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> there's so much amazing truth in this. And it's so sad when you see someone who's, who, you know, their light is dimming. Yeah. You know, there's something in there that they want so much and they're so afraid of Letting someone down, or of what are people going to accept me, or am I going to get bullied? Or and they just you see them withering, that's right. And it's yeah. just so heartbreaking,
1: absolutely. To see it that. is, it, it's really hard because I, you know, something you said. Uh, you know, when you made the statement, like when we allow our light to shine, we don't know whose lives we're affecting and how many people's lights never really shine. Yeah. You know, they're, they're that dimly lit light that barely casts a shadow in any direction. Yeah, And so, and, and we discount for ourselves. And I do that. I've done, I mean, I still struggle with this. Like every one of us, if we're really honest, we're always going to struggle to some extent with, yes, when I shine that light, does it really matter, you know, and does anybody care or, you know, and and I think what's so interesting to me is I realized, especially in the last couple of years, because I was very, um, I was very guarded with my story and my journey for the first few years. And a lot of that's out of respect. I mean, I have kids, I have an ex who, you know, their story has a different outcome to some degree because they're, they're not me. And allowing them to, to heal through changes or to grow through those things or to honor that for them. And, and I wanted to give, give that to them in that process. But in the same time, I was also warring within because I, because my life changed so much. Yeah. Oftentimes I think I assumed that when I shine that light, that it would create a negative impact or (laughs) an adverse reaction in the process. And what I have found, and I think this is what I, I i made this statement and something I wrote a while back, but the people who have always been there for me are still there for me. Yes. And I didn't believe that was possible. And, you know, again, part of that has to do with my background. I was, I was a pastor. I led in yeah. a conservative church for years. So where I am today is a very, you know, subjectively different place. Yes. and where where I built my life and my identity. and so I assumed that as soon as I shown shown that light in a way that other people could see it, those people would have a negative reaction. What's interesting is the people who really negatively saw it just left yeah, which is okay yeah and not that it did not that times it wasn't painful, but the people who've always been my closest circle of support, my friends, the people who helped me build life and and reality for what it is they're still there today they're
0: still there
1: and and in fact it's interesting to me that some of the people that I led them through things in their life who I thought they see me as their their pastor they see me as their spiritual advisor and even though that's still very strong my faith hasn't wavered in my journey um, I assumed they would write it off Because, you know, again, my life looks different than the conservative world that I came out of. And those people come back and they say, I'm more inspired today and follow where you're going with your leadership today than I was then. I I, I scratch my head at that. But I know this, it can only be a, a, a testament to the reality of when we do create that alignment and live truly who we are. And it doesn't have to be out loud. You know, this is the hard part. I think some people will hear things like this or they hear a conversation like we're having and their assumption is, oh, I got to trumpet my story. I got to tell my story. I got to get loud with it. I got to create a platform. That's not true. Sometimes no. the only people we need to affect are, are going to be my kids or the yes. people closest in my life and yeah. allow them to see that alignment, that authenticity, that honesty, that transparency, because there's yeah. so much more power in that process. Yes. So, you know, I I want anybody who listens to this to know, like, you don't have to build a platform. You don't have to have a big voice. But when you find a place of alignment, what happens is you're emanating peace and joy. Uh, Yes. And contentment. And those are the things that are the core things that as human beings, we need and want for our lives. And so when we show that and when we emanate that and when we share that, people are naturally attracted to that. Yes. And they're inspired by that.
0: Yes that peace joy and contentment which we don't see very often
1: No we don't we see false joy contentment and 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 all those things you yeah. know we live in a we live in a world and I won't just blame this on social media I think culture has gotten to where we want simple sound bites and we want the short story because yes. we've allowed our attention spans to become so short and so you know social media has just become the outlet for that highlight reel So we post the beautiful vacations or the nice house or the nice car or the nice moment or the one memory or the one picture out of 35 pictures we tried to take of our family where everybody was looking in the same direction, smiling, (laughs) not the other 34 pictures where everybody was cussing at each other and threatening to (laughs) kill each other if they didn't do that. You know, And, and I always used to joke, even as a pastor, I used to say Sunday mornings are the biggest, the biggest, you know, bucket of lies on the planet because, you know, people are getting ready to come to church. And so yeah. husband and wife are trying to get the kids, the to, kids together and get everything. And mom's trying to get dressed and makeup on. And dad doesn't really care. The yeah. kids are in chaos mode. They all pile into whatever vehicle they're driving. <laughs> they're all going crazy. They're yelling at each other and trying to kill each other. And the minute they step out of that vehicle and start to walk in the building, the first thing out of their mouth, somebody greets them and says, good morning. They're like, good morning. How are you? With the big smiles. So How are you? I'm great. You know, and it's like it's the biggest lie you've told all week. Yes. <laughs> and you did it as soon as you walked into the one place you're supposed to be able to just be real. And you know, exactly. but this is so much of life. You know, you, you think about it when we go through the checkout line at Walmart, right? And yeah. and you know, there's it's inauthentic on both sides. You know, if a cashier goes, How are you today? that's just their canned response to make you comfortable while you're Paying and they're doing their job. Yes. And then our canned response, because we don't want to actually let anybody in, we go, I'm doing just fine. Yeah. You know, and I always wonder, and I've, I've tried it a few times on those days where I'm kind of struggling and somebody's asking that. I'm like, you know, honestly, you don't want to know today. I'm not having a good day. But you know what? It'll yeah. be great when I can get home and I can eat this, whatever I'm buying, or have this bottle of wine or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yes. You know and, and you're honest with those things and people don't know what to do with it. They're right. And I think that's the other thing is that we don't know how to process true authenticity and transparency. Yes. Because we are expecting things to be polished and pretty
0: yeah. and
1: easy. And yeah. that isn't reality.
0: It is not reality at all.
1: Yeah, it's not. You know, I, yeah. I, I think I've learned that so much about, you know, in the process of parenting with so many kids, <laughs> right? And, you know, I think about the stories my, my oldest you know, she, she was a messy story and it was messy to begin with. And I, I should have never expected and see, I expected it to turn out differently in a lot of ways. And it didn't, you know, she, she got pregnant in high school Mm -hmm. and, you know, not the idealistic situation. And she went through some things. And then for six years of her life, she was kind of rogue and really disconnected from the family. And she lived and she made a living as a stripper, which I, I don't actually. I used to have a different opinion about. It. I don't have quite as negative opinion about it today. Yeah. Um, I still struggle with it, but there's so many things that I found. Like I tried to polish that and to yeah. make it this pretty story. Instead of now looking back, and I'm really proud because it was the way that she went through her process of growing and coming to alignment for herself. Yeah, and it was also part of my process. And you know, she and I just recently had a conversation where I went back and said, you know, that season of life like as a as a parent, but just as someone who cares about you, I need to go back and apologize for places that I did not parent well, or I did not love you well in that process because I wanted things to look better or feel yes. better. And that was wrong. So if I made you feel that way, and I, and I told her, I was like, and I hope that that's the way you will love on your kids too.
0: Oh, that's that, beautiful.
1: That the the mistakes I made will influence the the successes you will have. Yeah. Later in life. And they're, those are hard conversations. They're not comfortable. Sometimes they're very healing, yes. but the world isn't used to those things. No, they're just, no, not.
0: no, we want the microwavable mac and yeah. cheese. Not the not the one that takes you all afternoon to make.
1: That's right. Well, yeah. and I, you know, I say this all the time too, as an adoptive parent, you know, my, my ex-wife and I, for a long time, we're, we're big, influences and voices in the international adoption space and we championed that but as we got into it found out how hard it is and the adjustments that come with it and the things that we were ill-equipped to understand and Mm -hmm. not well uh, um, supported in the process that made some of those parts of parenting very difficult and those transitions difficult I started really talking about it truthfully. And like, this part's hard. This part's ugly. This part's not yeah. comfortable. You know, what happens when you, you genuinely love this child, but you, when you go through those first stages of trying to create attachment and loving a, a new human being that is now part of your family dynamic, and there are days where you do wake up and think, who's this stranger living in my house? Yeah. And like that's. But to, to some of the outside world, that sounds like a very inhumane or unloving statement that's just humanity at its most raw form. Yeah. You understand it cuz actually anybody who's been in a, any type of relationship or marriage for any length of time there are plenty of mornings you roll over in bed and go who's this stranger in my house, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's just part of a uh, part of our reality as human beings and you know as I and I think one of the interesting things in my in my journey was when I started being honest about the adoption process and how hard it can be at times. I got a lot of pushback and rejection in that. And it breaks my heart because I think the very people who are rejecting me are walking through the same thing. Yeah. But they're so afraid of somebody finding out that they're they they didn't, they weren't the hero they appeared to be, or it wasn't the idealistic situation that they wanted it to be. And there's some shame in struggle or failure that we've allowed that to take a precedence over honesty and transparency. Yeah. And so it sets us up for failure.
0: Yes, you're right. You, you know, telling that story I was thinking of my daughter uh, adopted her first baby.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was hard. He was born addicted to so many different drugs and Sure. It was very very hard. In the NICU yeah. for so long. She fostered him first and she and her husband yeah. And I remember her sending me a picture one day and she had him in the backseat of the car and he was yeah. holding a blanket. He had finally fallen asleep. His face was still wet with tears. Yeah, So was hers. <laughs>
1: yeah. And she said, <laughs> <Duh>. mom,
0: <laughs> mom, this is really hard. Yeah. I love him, but this is really, really, really hard.
1: It is hard. And I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the, the that's the hard part and that's life right? How many times do we really have, whether it's the parenting journey, whether it's marriage and relationships, whether it's our career, whether it's just ourselves, you know, those things we're reconciling with who we are. So few of us have ever experienced a place where we can have that conversation that that you and your daughter had, where you just get honest and go, I'm scared. It's hard. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I can't handle this anymore. And those are all the kind of conversations that were lacking in my life. And it's not that they weren't available to me, but because I felt like I would be rejected yeah. or I felt like I would disappoint someone. I didn't take advantage of those. And that's why I say I was, I was really surprised when I woke up one day and realized all the people who love me and I love them are still there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't go anywhere. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, it, and they were always there. It doesn't yes, mean yes. it wouldn't have been hard for them too, or the process wasn't grueling for them, it, you know, to go through a change with a friend or with a family member, um, to face a struggle with a family member. But they they would have been there, and yeah. I cheated myself and somebody else out of not inviting them into the process of of growing and journeying together. Yes, and you know that's one thing. You know the way that I do, I do so much coaching with individuals who are going through changes and, and I, I break it into different groups. You know, I do a lot of coaching for men and women who have a story like mine who are late yeah. in life and trying to really reconcile their, their core identities. But I do this in career and in business as well. And, yeah. and I, I used to coach a lot one-on-one, which is great. And I do love that, but I found the power of group coaching is it starts to break down those barriers yes. where we can actually learn. There is the potential for healthy, good community And accountability and relationships that allow us to come to the table and just be real and raw. And it's not about success and failure, you know, and it doesn't mean that in those situations that if we fail, we don't, maybe we do need a swift kick in the rear end in those moments of failure. But when it comes out of a trusted group of of people who are in relationship with us, whose ultimate goal is for us to find that peace and that joy and that happiness, and who all hold to hope as a central core value, then success becomes a reality through those relationships. And, you know, in studying, and I think I learned this in walking through that crisis in my first marriage and trying to work through the relational dynamics of that, and then just trying to heal as a human being into letting go of all those things that kept me from being honest and real in myself. What I learned is that, that human beings as a whole, we actually heal and we overcome trauma best in the context of relationship, not as individuals. Yes. And yes. we discount that. And so, you know, when we face, when we face traumas as a whole, So let's, you know, imagine we're in a group together, right? And, you know, we're in a group together and someone in the group comes in and they're expressing their trauma or their experience or their failure. When those happen, when all of us come to the table and process our own trauma and our own fear and our own failure at the table, we all heal. And in the process, we get to hold hands with that other person. Yes. and guide them through that healing right and so yes. our traumas become powerful tools and again that's what we say all the time and you know you and I have heard it a lot in the groups we've been in and yeah. and we say it a lot our 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 power is in our story yes. and that is so so true but when it's powerfully attached to community and to relationships it, the power of that story is tenfold yes because now I may not have the same story, but I do walk through the same emotions. We all share similar emotions. We all experience fear and anxiety and depression and happiness and sadness and anger. All of those things are common to all of us. So even if your journey looks different than me, when you feel those emotions, I can relate to the thing that you feel because I felt it in a different way.
0: And so we can
1: walk together through those things and we don't have to be afraid. And I think that's where we get so circumstantial about the things that cause us to become uncomfortable or fearful. And so, you know, there've been plenty of times where people come into a conversation with me and they're fearful because my life and my story is, is a deep contrast to their life or their story or their values. And a lot of times we tend to pull ourselves away from those things. The ones who have engaged deeply in that process and chosen to move through that discomfort have found that the peace on the other side of that discomfort is so much greater, and the empathy and the understanding and the compassion and the love and the hope yeah. that comes out of that is so powerful that then you come to a place where, again, one of the the common things that we all share as humans is we like to be comfortable and we're afraid of the discomfort.
0: Yes, right, for sure. So
1: when we experience that breakthrough of moving on the other side of discomfort and finding out that it's actually very peaceful on that other yeah. side and there's hope on the other side we lose our inhibition to go against that discomfort we lose our inhibition to shy away from the things that might not be easy and we're yeah. willing because the reward on the other side is so much greater
0: yes that's so beautiful to to push past that discomfort and find that beauty
1: yes yes
0: and you get the you get to help people on that journey which is amazing yes
1: and it is amazing incredibly incredibly more than we could imagine. And it's hard because I could sit here and try to quantify it or qualify what that means. But until you live it and until you experience it, there's no way to express it. You know, and I I think about it often. There's a family that lives right around the block from me and uh, they moved to our area from Chicago a few years ago and they adopted three little boys out of foster care Mm -hmm. and they're a white couple. They've adopted three little black boys and you know, they had that idealistic opinion of what their family would look like. And, yeah. you know, we kind of cling to, even even those of us who didn't necessarily grow up in the, the generation of June Cleaver yeah. and Leave <laughs> it to Beaver or, you know, Barney Fife and, 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 yeah. and Andy Griffith, we are impacted by those values and those yeah. value statements and those expectations of what family life could or should look like. And so when we disrupt that, and then we start to think we can't talk about it. Right, because it yeah. becomes a discomfort. So I remember the very first time I met this family, they were walking, and I went out to introduce myself. They'd seen, they'd talk to my kids a little bit, and um, and they realized that oh, oh, there's another family here that it's multiracial and looks different. And so yeah. we, you know, we start talking. And uh, the first thing I asked her when, when after we went through the typical introductions, I said, I said I, I would imagine you guys have had some pretty hard moments in trying to create the emotional connections and the bonding and the Things that were necessary because some of your kids were a little older when you adopted them. I said, it, would you say that's true? And you could see her like shock and awe. And, but that deep, just like you did kind of yep. that sigh of like, wait a minute. And she goes, nobody's ever said that to me before. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you're exactly right. And I said, well, that's why it's so important to me to talk about it. yeah, Because so often we feel like we're alone in our journey as yeah. if nobody's ever felt or experienced what we're going through. And yeah. that's the biggest bunch of BS we could ever believe oh, because sure. none of us, I don't care what your story is. And this is where somebody will challenge me and I hope they do, but mm-hmm. I ain't yet for somebody to challenge this statement from me in a valid way. But none of us have experienced something that somebody else has not felt or experienced. That's
0: exactly right.
1: And so we're never the only one, we're never alone. And I believed for myself for so long that my story or my journey was so odd and so different. And then I would find a few people and I was like, okay, there's five of us, but I don't have a relationship with those four other people. So what am I gonna do with this? And until I got honest and real and transparent about my own journey, I didn't find that community and that opportunity for growth and healing. Yeah. But the minute I did, man, it was like somebody it, it was it was kind of that whole, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz moment where we went from black and white to the world in technicolor. Yes. You know? Yeah. This just beautiful clarity, yes. like there's this whole new world in front of me. And it came out of that that honesty and transparency. Yes. And that and the end result was finding that, like I like I said at the very beginning, my inside and my outside match. Love it. And you know, we all struggle with that. Listen, you're going to have listeners who listen to this, who their inside and outside. Not only do they not match in a small way, but maybe their inside doesn't match their career and their inside doesn't even match their family. And then their family and their career don't match each other. And Now you've got this jumbled mess of things being misaligned. And then they pull into the driveway at the end of the day and they turn off the car and they go in the house and all of that persona of career left in the car or in the briefcase or whatever, yeah. and they walk inside and they have to put on a different hat and a different character and play a different part in the play, and they do that, and then they go to bed at night and take that hat off in the dark and the quiet, and they're down to just themselves, and then they're racked with anxiety and fear, yeah. because all of that external stuff is so misaligned and so disjointed. and sometimes the alignment doesn't mean a change in relationship. It doesn't mean a change in career. It means identifying and becoming completely aware and comfortable of who I am yeah. and finding ways to satisfy that through the career, through the family and bring those things together. And I often say we all have core values or personal yeah. values, right? We all have passions, yeah, the things that, that just turn us on and get us going and, and light us up. And then we all have business practices. And this is funny because I a lot of times I'll have a stay-at-home mom or somebody like that challenge. Like, I don't have business practice. I'm like, yes, you do. Yeah. Do you clip coupons? Do you shop at certain stores because of the discount or because it's premium goods? You know, Maybe for, for one mom, it is I shop at Goodwill because I can get the same thing for $10. Or maybe you're the mom who needs to buy the brand new Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. And neither one is bad. they are right. different sets of business practices they're different sets of values and they're yes. different sets of passions. And so when we identify what those are for us, it gives us the power to communicate who I am. It gives me the confidence to believe in my identity. And then it gives me the tool set, the, 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 the paradigm that I can then overlay and say, does my career, does my relationship, does my life align with what's inside? And we can, uh, and oft- most often, More often than not, what I find is the career and the family are just fine, but the person has become so disconnected and unattached to who they are and unwilling to embrace it that they've never made sure that they are satisfying themselves through that career choice or through the family choice and all those different things that that make our lives click and go. And so I pour myself into helping people go through that journey of becoming completely aware of who they are and how they think, you know?
0: Oh, I love that.
1: It's a, it's just this beautiful, beautiful journey. And I'll tell you, we have a common friend, Madeline Weiss. Yes. She has a powerful exercise that I now tout all over the place. And I got to give Madeline all the credit in the world for this um, because she taught it to me and I done it different ways, but she's simplified it so well. Yeah. is she calls it the judgment room exercise. And actually people can go to her website and download this thing. But the idea is to sit down in a room and be still and quiet and look look around the room and fixate on an item. So maybe it's a chair, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I'm literally going to paraphrase Madeline in this one, because this is how it clicks for me. She okay. goes, when you look at that chair, you automatically make judgments about that chair. It'll only support this much weight or it'll only look good here or it's made out of this or it's this color or that. What if you just looked at it and said, that's a chair and I have the opportunity to sit in that chair <laughs> or invite someone else to sit in that chair. Cause that chair allows me to relax or it allows me space to connect with someone else. And it's, it's how we make judgment calls about the things that are in our lives. And the place that has to start is when we go stand in front of the mirror. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing I would say, anybody's listening to this, take a moment in the next day or two to go stand in the bathroom, take a pad and a pen in there with you, stand at that at bathroom counter and literally write down those judgment statements that you make of yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what are positive and what are negative because both will come out yes. Now somebody can be really struggling and the vast majority may come out negative but there will be some positive somewhere in there yeah because sometimes it comes out in the negative right like i'm i'm a really compassionate person but nobody cares Well, what you just Mm -hmm. said is the good thing. You're a very compassionate person. The negative is you assume nobody cares. Right. So separate Mm -hmm. those two and start to realize how you are filtering the view of you and find the beauty in who you are. Because when you do that, you can go back and overlay that on top of life and start to go, oh, I have the opportunity to feed this passion or support this value or validate this business practice that I have in my life through my career or through my family, because it is possible. And it is, it is very normative for that to be the case.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. I will, I'll link Madeline,
1: Madeline's um, website. Absolutely. I got to give her all the credit in the world. I, you know, and I, I still like what she, she came on my podcast and when I interviewed her, I was like, you know, and, and, and honestly, I connected with her in a way that I didn't, credentials or none of it mattered. It was a great personal connection. And then I started going back and look at her 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 being a Harvard trained psychotherapist. And yes. I was like, oh my God, like she really knows the brain. Yeah. Like, she she does. Like it's this most beautiful thing. And she's a she's the genius at what she does. And yes. Um you know and I, I just I love her. But and that's the thing. I think this is where again in all of us in our journey we don't have one with the key or the right thing. They're going to be people who come along. I think as we honor that in the process. And I love the fact that I get to go back in the beautiful things that have been taught to me. Yeah. And those awakening moments that someone else has brought to me, I can turn around and go, "Let me teach you what somebody else taught me." Yeah. I just want to share that beauty. You know, it's not mine, but it gave me life. Maybe it'll give you some life too.
0: Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I this has yeah. been this has been amazing. So what we talked about before we even started recording is a whole other podcast. So we're going to have to book again. <laughs> I love it.
1: I love it. Definitely will. Anytime.
0: Oh my gosh. I, I just, I love to see your pictures. I love to see your family together. It's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: It, it is. I, I'm so proud of it. You know, I, yeah. we, we just got to have our family featured on good morning America. And that was like, this the oh. coolest honor. Together, and we were talking about adoption and blended families, and yeah. you know the beauty of that. And you know, I, I am—I'm just very proud of it. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of, you know, my husband. I'm proud yeah. that I was married to to my ex-wife when I was like it. it just I—I I am a very blessed.
0: <laughs> very, yeah.
1: I don't like the word lucky because I don't think luck has anything to do with it. As a very no. blessed person. Yes. And uh, the people in my life, my family, my friends, this the the world around me has been. An absolute mosaic of beauty, love, hope, grace, joy, and yeah. you know, and and now I just get to be fully myself, which means yeah. I now can fully enjoy and embrace and love all those things. Yes, in the fullest.
0: And it radiates. It radiates from you. You can't. I mean, it radiates from every pore. You can just see it. Oh, you can just see that. it, in
1: everything. I love that.
0: So tell us, and my listeners are used to this question: your yeah. version of your pow pow shoes, what you put on that makes you feel like, yeah, I got this.
1: You know, for, I think for me, um, I, gosh, it, you know, it's, it's not even, I, I don't know that it's a physical thing for me. I'll yeah. tell you what it is. It's permanently on me is yeah. that I have, uh, I don't know, close to two dozen tattoos all over my body and each one tells a story. I love it. And for me, it's a visual representation. When I look down, I have different markers and reminders of different parts of my life and different stories in my life. Yes. And so, but one of my favorites, so to, to narrow it down to a specific is I have a couple of white ink tattoos that you can, if you don't know they're there, you're not going to see them. Uh-huh. I know they're there. they're there for me, yes. but I believe that God has been a big part of my healing process. Yeah. And so I have a Hebrew tattoo on my right wrist that says, God is your healer.
0: Oh, the I Hebrew love that.
1: And I see it every single day, and what it reminds me is, no matter what I face, somebody else is going to take care of bringing me that healing and that process, and I'm okay. I'm good. Gonna- oh,
0: that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. And give us, if you would, a journal prompt. I'm huge, huge, huge into journaling. The power of of writing.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, here's what I would say. This one's a deep, this is a deep thought journal process. Okay. Um, stop for a minute and, and maybe write down the two or three statements that, pl- that play on repeat in your head every day. Okay. For some of the listeners, that's going to be positive. For some of the listeners, that's going to be negative. Yes. And then underneath those statements, after you write them down, the process is that a positive or is that a negative? right? Mm -hmm. Identify it for what it is. I think that's one thing we we all have to be more intentional about doing, identifying the truth of something when we see it. And then when you've done that, write a statement to yourself in your own words that basically says, I've already seen this movie, I've already experienced this moment, and I don't need to live it again. Uh, I love it. Set yourself free from that. Hang on to the positives, let go of the negatives, but be aware because I think, you know, you think about those, those, um, you know, whether it's a, a, a song we listen to over and over again, a movie we'll watch or TV show or something, you know, that we'll put on repeat. And it, w- But we've heard it so much that we either believe it or we bought into it or we're in love with it or, you know, and I think about like, yeah. I wanted to be Marty McFly for years because back to the, <laughs> you know, the epitome. And I still, my, my, like one of my, like, apex of success moments will be, I will buy a DeLorean one day as my trophy to success, right?
0: Yes. And yep.
1: It's so embedded in me, but I can either let that have a positive impact on the way I pursue life or it can mm-hmm. be a negative because I can feel like I failed becoming that, or I'll never get to be that, or yeah. um, I'm not that person or I'll never, you know, or I can say, like I just said, I've turned it into a thing of the positive for me is that'll be my trophy one day to get to live out a little piece of that because i love yeah. it so much right and so yes. when i process those things and identify them for what they are then i don't have to repeat that in my head i don't wake up every day going did i get any closer to being that or did i yeah. get further away am i failing or succeeding i just take the day at hand don't let the tapes replay and enjoy the moment in front of me and pursue what's here what's really uh.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah.
0: And where can we find you? Because I know people are going to be like, well, wait, wait, where do I find, where do I follow this guy?
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I, on social media, it's just my name. So it'll be Michael Robinson. Okay. And I always tell people they, they have a tendency to write Robinson, put an N in the middle. There's no N in the middle. So Robison is the way most people like to pronounce it. So, you know,
0: I don't think I ever noticed that before. I
1: don't, man, I don't I've, I've spent so much of my life perfunctorily fixing that. Um, <laughs> so it's just Michael Robison. So, you know, on, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, they can find me very easily. And then my website is just my name. So it'll be Michael That's CC, okay. Yeah, so they'll be able to find it. And there's resources. You know, I have a blog, but I'm the worst at like staying on it. I go through seasons where I'll write three or four or five or record videos or put them up. Um, But, you know, even there they'll find, I've got a podcast that comes out about every two weeks and, Uh you know, different fun guests that are on there, different crazy stories um, that are part of that, that uh, podcast. So there's lots of resources out there. I love to connect with people. Um, You know, I've got a big group coaching thing that I'm going to open up after first of the year that I'm just starting to talk about and uh, it's very accessible and and very affordable, because I do know for some people, coaching can be a daunting thing because they they don't have three thousand or five thousand or ten thousand dollars to throw into coaching, and so yeah. part of the power of doing group coaching is being able to to lower that and make it yes. more accessible to people, but also to open up, just like I said, I think some of the best healing we have comes through group coaching, so yes. all those different resources are are there, and they can find out if they follow and and okay. they can also be completely annoyed that I talk about my family and my pet and all my different <laughs> stuff all the time. Like, you know, Cameron and I joke all the time that we've got a small zoo around here. I added another critter to the mix today, and so um, you know. But it's uh, they'll they'll get an inside look at the craziness of my world.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And your podcast, so they can find your podcast too. What's yes, the, name? the name of
1: the podcast? Is called Behind the Veil. Behind the Veil. And it's on every everywhere you can find a podcast. It's there.
0: Awesome. I'll link to that too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you
0: so much for your time, your heart, your insight. This has been amazing. I'm anxious to have you back again.
1: Thank you. I, I so appreciate you, Carrie. Like I just, you, like you, I, and I so appreciate the accolade of you seeing the light shine, but that's obvious with you. And anybody who's listening to this mm-hmm. is going, "Well, no duh, we know that." You, know, <laughs> you, you exude joy and and goodness, and I am so thankful. So thank you for making space for me today.
0: Thank you, thank you.
1: Absolutely, you know it.
0: an episode and share it with your friends. And follow me on Instagram at I am Carrie V. Remember, it is never too late. Peace out, girlfriend. Pow, pow.